If you can't believe it, I can't believe it. It's our 16th Uncut episode and we're really enjoying it. And today we have a cool subject. It's about relationships and sexuality. We kept uh, teasing about talking about sexuality and how it plays out in relationships and how it plays out in different stages of the intimate relationship, romantic relationship we have and we want and we create with our partner. So stay tuned. This is really going to be engaging. For those who don't know us yet, I am Juana, founder of TheFeminine.com. It's an online platform dedicated to women all over the world. Our mission statement revolves around a totally new and fresh paradigm of self-care, well-being, and being feminine. I have been a transformational coach for 14-15 years now, and I've dedicated the last eight to empowering women to trust their voice follow their heart and embrace their womanhood completely. The feminine is the embodiment of my work and its main focus and intention is to support women into acknowledging their true power, connecting with their authenticity and give a full expression of their gifts to the world. And it brings together practices and exercises and principles that are connected to the feminine principle especially for women, but I think also for men. And we are going to look at that more and more because we're bringing different ways in which masculine and feminine can interact in our day-to-day life. So I'm back again with Joanna, my colleague and my partner in crime. I have too many questions for today, Joanna. Oh my God. I'm eager to jump into sexuality and sex questions, but I really want to start in a different way because I feel like nowadays everybody's talking about sexuality and sex and anything related or in between, but everybody forgets to address the context of sexuality. And um, that's why I want to start with the question regarding relationships. What does a relationship really asks from you and involve? Because all of us, like, This is the dream of the 21st century. We just want a relationship, but we just want a dream. And we are not all the time aware of what the dream comes with or implies. And we're never ready for what we dream for. So you were telling us in the last episode, we'll put the link in the description for those who didn't listen to the episode, about the stages of a relationship. And I really clicked with what you're starting to say, because I think there's a key for both those who are already in a relationship and have questions or uh, bump into some issues, and for those who are not yet in a relationship, but want to be in, in one. Can you get us through the stages of a relationship one more time and put more uh, focus on each stage in, in particular? I think there are many stages to a relationship. If we're going to really look at life long term committed relationships, there are many stages. What I think the big distinction is, it's that people in our Western society have gained a legacy that relationships or successful, fulfilling relationships are the first stage of a relationship. When we fall in love, We bring all our fantasies and our projections to the space of the relationship and we want that perfect scenario to stay there. 
and remain there. And I think our generation is moving away from that pattern or from that reference as a successful reference in relationships. But it's still not clear or we still haven't created a dynamic that works. We're exploring, we're in an exploration phase. You know, from monogamy to polygamy, from open relationships to committed relationships to long-term relationships to short relationships to single parent to whatever. We're exploring, we're in many, many dynamics, which I think is great with all the drama that comes along because I think it's the process that will help us in the end to achieve a more mature experience of, of relating that includes also the individual. But I think one of the things that we still need to grasp and understand about relationship is that it's a living thing. It's an organic thing. And actually, in each stage, it precedes a plateau where you think the relationship is not okay anymore and it triggers you or you feel it's boring and you don't know how to engage with that stage and how to move through that stage. And every stage requires a kind of symbolic death and a reopening or a rebirthing. Both of the individuals need to go through that portal and together as the relationship. And the dynamic plays on all levels, from sex to intimacy to communication to partnership to creation, all the aspects of the relationship. So there's the beginning stage where the main words that describe this stage is excitement, mystery, and challenge, you know, and uh, seduction. <laughs> and it's such a good combo that it keeps you high for a long time, <laughs> which is good. But it's, it's, it's hot, you know, it's cool, the sex is great, everything comes natural, the hormones help you. You don't look at the, the things that, you know, might not click. And it's the beautiful part of the relationship. Everybody fantasizes about it. Everybody wants it. And it's in a way driven by the adolescent energy of hope, of future, of, you know, maybe here today with this guy, I'm going to have it all. Whatever I dreamt of from when I was five until now, this is it. On a desert island. On a desert island. Just me and him. He'll be everything <laughs> I ever wanted. And I think it's a very cool stage that we should deeply enjoy. And it's the click that puts people together. And then there's the second stage, the stage about vulnerability. In a way, most of us avoid that stage. Whether we go through it and stick to the relationship or not, we avoid it. We're living it while we're avoiding it. Because the vulnerability stage is about accepting the other, which brings change. Not only he's not all the projections you ever wanted him to be, but he has his own issues, his own process, his own mission in life, and his own way of looking at life, looking at love, reacting, creating, generating. And now there's a reality check that brings a challenge to the relationship. And it's the second stage, and it requires a death in a way. I don't want to sound scary or frightening, but it is an awakening that comes from letting go 
of your projections and wanting to meet the other person and through patience accept him for what he truly is and accept the downfall of the relationship or the things that are not perfect with him or with you or with the relationship. And I think this is a very important part that if we look at it can be defined as the lesson of true love, which is acceptance. It's not based on fantasy, it's not based on excitement, it's not based on challenge and seduction. It is based on the ability to look at the other, accept him with his scars and his wounds and really create a deeper explanation or definition of love through acceptance. And most of us struggle with this because we don't know how to be vulnerable with ourselves. So we don't know how to step into our own emotions and our own shadows. So we have little space for the other to go in his full acceptance or in his full vulnerability in the relationship. Sex becomes sometimes very good <laughs> and sometimes not so good. And we hit a plateau. And as one of my uh, colleagues were saying, when we hit that plateau, we want to stir it up with a lot of sex, juicy stuff, out-of-the-box stuff, because we're afraid of what the vulnerability of this stage brings to the surface and the challenge of this stage. If we go through it, if we really dive into it, and if we really accept the other and kind of say, okay, the whole point of relationship is to love you the way you are, then something amazing opens up after this stage, which is the capacity for love to change me and the capacity for love and the meeting of the two to create a bigger, stronger definition of each individual and then of the concept of love in reality. So it opens up a third stage in the relationship where now we know each other and we're willing to work or willing to play with one another <laughs> with acceptance and engage in what the other has best and nurture and support that then making love becomes a very fulfilling experience because once you are also vulnerable not just excited then there's a depth of feeling and a soul experience into the dynamic of the meeting of the two hold your thought i have a question Because what I hear is one of the key to fulfillment is knowing how to navigate through all these stages. But what I also hear is that it is very important to not skip none of these stages. I remember when I was uh, at the beginning of a relationship, which was very nice and he was almost the perfect man, but zero chemistry. Like sexually speaking, we had no chemistry. And I didn't, it's not like I didn't have the courage to address that, but I was confused and didn't even know if that was really an issue, a relevant issue. At that, that point in my life, we didn't know each other, so I really didn't know who to ask. I mean, okay, I could have asked one of my girlfriends, but no, I wouldn't have uh, been happy with the answer. Then not knowing who to ask, I asked a friend and he gave me probably the smartest answer. Like, I asked him, what do you do if you don't have this connection, this physical sexual connection at the beginning of a relationship? Can you develop it during time? 
and he's the, like, the most unexpected answer. You search it in some other place. So probably like in the same extent it's important to know how to navigate through different stages it's also important to stay very real and connected to what you want from the first the second and the third etc stage what you're saying is you should probably figure out in that one year and a half through the excitement if you have enough to hold you through all the stages because when the moment when you have to go from one stage to another it will be tough and then you will have yeah, to really exactly. understand if it's worth it or you have that click enough but on the other side of it and there's a very a strong spiritual say about relationships if the sex holds then the relationship has a chance to hold because our sexual life in relationships mirror our stages of intimacy and it's very uh, little known this that we actually experience and we should experience and we should develop our sexual life linked to the awareness of our emotional stages of relationship. Because the moment we hit, for example, the plateau between the first stage and the second stage, between excitement and vulnerability, we might experience a decrease in our sexual life or a downfall. And we think the relationship is not working and we try to spice it up in many ways or avoid the unworkability. But that's just a um, sign on a very basic level, which is the sex life of the relationship. It's a sign of, oops, we should pay more attention. We're growing in the relationship and we need to define new ways of interacting with one another. And it's a birth. And if this happens at the beginning of a relationship? Well, if it happens at the beginning of a relationship, but you're still drawn to it, in my experience, then the way you are coming together or the lesson you're, you're having is not based in chemistry, it's based in an emotional or psychological or spiritual realm. And it may carry out as a romantic relationship or it may transform in something else because it depends on where the link is and where you do the click. So you just have to hold on and not disconnect from the very beginning if you're not really connecting from a sexual point of view from the first day? I don't know. I can't answer that. I think it's a choice. But I think the question is, what do I want, what are my values, and what am I actually getting or being triggered by? In my experience, sex is very important because it is an unconscious dynamic that communicates beyond our mind and our taboos and our habits and helps us through. But it's not the only thing that keeps a relationship going, by far no acceptance, patience, commitment, true values, the capacity to commit to something holds a relationship together. Because I've worked with couples who were married for a long time, had three kids, no sex life anymore, and they had to go through their individual process and their partnership process, and it didn't include sex for a while. And then they came together, breakthrough on the other side, and sex was again alive. So sex 
contextual dynamic present or absent can actually be a mirror of other aspects that are playing out in the relationship like the inner girl you were uh, telling about in the last episode like she's able to sabotage if you don't address her correctly she's able to sabotage your sexual development Totally. I think in the excitement stage of the relationship, we're meeting and making love like adolescents. Like playing. We're playing, we're seducing. It's all about, you know, this challenged mystery game. And then in the second stage, we have to grow up in our vulnerability. And then it shifts from excitement to knowing one another and working with <laughs> and playing with one another allowing intimacy and vulnerability, emotional and sexual, to be much more present. In a way, it's a much more fulfilling way of making love. But it has to come from the courage of opening up, truly opening up. You know, it's not so connected to image as it is connected to feeling. So the dynamic changes from something outside to something inside. And you really have to communicate a lot and be very authentic about what you like and what you don't like, for real. So that that part of the relationship can really open up and uh, you can experience deeper... We want to talk about sexuality and we should address it. You can experience deeper orgasms and a much more fulfilling sexuality if you're willing to not look so perfect. <laughs> and really willing to allow space for your emotions in the act of making love. And it's it's a game that the girl can't really own. And the woman can, but the girl will have her, you know, her limits. And in deep sexuality, in the lineages that really work with sexual energy and really guide you into a much more grounded experience of your own sexuality and of making love, you have to go on your own in the process of discovering your sexuality through the stages and go from the inner girl to the woman as in relationships the pattern of your sexuality changes and it includes plateaus it includes disconnection fragmentation separation because it's part of life and it's it's okay but as we say in deep grounded sexuality you experience fulfilling orgasms and deep fulfilling sexual life the moment you allow these plateaus to be present and you relax with them you understand them that they're like cycles of life they're part of life and then what you open up to is your capacity to be orgasmatic much more than through sex through sexual intercourse in life in general because if you allow vulnerability to be part of your perception of life then you expand you open up to all of life and that gives you access to pleasure in all aspects of life including your sexual life there's a lot of dialogue on this topic nowadays about the orgasm or orgasmic experience but for many of us it's still abstract what's the difference between orgasm and fulfilling orgasm full body orgasm and you say how many other orgasms can we have Full body orgasm, let's put it like this. The main distinction between uh, Western society and Eastern society, because Eastern society, Asia, especially China and India, have track record of success of working with sexual energy. Spiritual lineages have come and worked with sexual energy and have given human beings an access to a deeper understanding, a deeper perception around sex, 
around sexuality, around your sexual energy. First and foremost, sexual energy is life energy. So whenever we talk about full body orgasm, we talk about actually the activation of our body as a living thing, which is the main disruption is right here, right now. Because in the Western society, we are so mind-oriented that our connection with our body is through the mind. We have a concept about our body. We have a relationship to the image of our body. And sex falls into that category. So if we're confident with the image of our body, then we open up sexually, we have sex, we play with tools in, in our sexual life, and sex is great. But it comes down to a very narrow feeling or an experience that happens through sex because it's very pragmatically and it's very, how, how do I say it? It's really just short, quick and connected to the genitals. Where It's like a workout sometimes. It, yeah, it's like a good yoga <laughs> class, <laughs> you know, and you use it like a fitness class. Yeah, exactly. You use it to discharge your energies. Where in the Eastern society, in the Eastern culture, your sexual energy is your life force energy and it moves through your body between Earth and the Sun ongoingly. And there are subtle channels that open your perception, your senses and your capacity to feel so that you can experience the energy of life itself in nature, for example, which has the vibration of ecstasy. So life force energy, nature energy is ecstatic. And the moment you come from the mind into your body and you open your body, not only as a physical vessel, but as an energetic vessel, then that life force is renewed, refreshed, and it starts moving through your body. So you start feeling life and sensations and pleasure with all of your body. Are you aware that for somebody who's just hearing this for the first time, it sounds like impossible? Well, yes, but the point is it's much more palpable and real and easy than you can actually think. And you don't even have to go on a Bali find yourself retreat <laughs> and look for the mysteries and of I life to I get it. I don't need a tantric lover. A tantric lover can help, but you have to become tantric. <laughs> So it's not the tantric lover that will help. It's you or perception or your capacity to open up. And for women, it's the most natural process. And what does it require? That's why I have the audacity to say it just like that, because it's so natural for women. And funny enough, it requires grounding. The capacity to stay barefooted, go in nature, connect through your heart and your womb with the energy of the earth, channel that energy into your body expand your womb, your heart, and allow that flow of energy to move through you. And for those who really want to do a practice and a guided meditation, we have four pillars of femininity where you can start the journey. And that's just going to carry the day if you do it constantly. Of course, it will expand you into finding a new level of opening up and of breaking through. And then we have coming soon, probably, hopefully, a program around sensuality where you work with your sexual energy and you refine it because of the very stages of grounding, you experience it as a wild force and you need to tame it. But slowly, slowly, you can really open up from inside out 
and you can experience pleasure in nature without having sex. And then sex just becomes a context in which you can play with your sexual energy and really play with the partner and experience the ebbs and the flows of this energy because it comes like the tides of the water. It's a lot of pleasure and then there's a plateau and you have to move through the plateau and the pleasure states and have to own, contain, breathe with, know yourself in all those stages. It opens a woman to experience fulfilling orgasms beyond just 20 minutes of sex. Which often is dysfunctional for a woman. Yes, because in 20 minutes you don't even go into real opening. You don't even go past the foreplay. You know, your waters don't even open up and you're done. <laughs> no, your partner is done. <laughs> He's done and you're left frustrated. You know, you don't know how to ask for it because you haven't developed a relationship with your own needs sexually and with your own sexual energy. And I'm totally up for and I totally recommend women do Tantra and Tao practices. And I think it's really great that this information is out there. But for me, while I was exploring these processes, I really came to understand that women need to do the grounding work, the nourishment of the inner girl, the connection with their mother, and then open up to the sexuality and the wildness of the woman. Because unless they do that inner work on an emotional level, they can't really contain emotionally and energetically the wildness of full body orgasms and deeply fulfilling orgasms. Why? Because they can't claim it. They don't know it in their own body because they haven't taken the time to discover their own body with themselves and they can't guide a man into that. So they're, you know, they're left with, oh, but I need a tantric lover to have fulfilling orgasms. No, you don't need. You need a man who's open to you and he won't be open to that part of your sexuality unless you have mapped it before the relationship on your own. Everybody wants fulfilling orgasms. Come on, even men. Ask a man if he would want to learn how to please you all night and I dare you, you will not have a no. He doesn't yeah. know how to. Yes, that's a but different that's a conversation. Very, that's a very <laughs> important point because many of us don't address that because we're afraid, because we don't know how to do it. And we repeat ourselves that we just have to get used or we simply forgot in time. How can we address, how do we learn to address it in a very healthy and empowering way in front of a man? Okay, I understood we have to do the work start to do the work with ourselves and on our own but in the end if you have a partner who is not open-minded enough or he's not willing to be there in the same circumstances and at the same quality as you want for a sexual act to to happen how can you address that in a healthy and fulfilling way well you do the process on your own enough that you experience the woman inside of you knowing herself being free with a man who can't go there with her and open up to a man who can go there with her and then you invite that person into this game but it won't come from a inner girl emotional frustrated upset full of expectations and ready to run a drama or a tantrum if the man is 
slow at the beginning in opening up to this concept. So you just don't go... Or you walk away. Because that's what a normal woman does. A woman is connected with her health, her needs, and is confident enough, will walk away and it will attract a man who's ready to go there with her in her depths. So you just don't go, honey, we need to have a conversation. What? <laughs> no, we're not talking about sex. We're having sex or we're not having sex. It's either going to be fulfilling and we go all the way through or it's not. It's not a negotiation about it. It's okay for the man to say no because he may be trapped in his fear around the unknown and he needs to step up into vulnerability. It's very shocking for men to hear that the plateau phase of the relationship or the sexual life is just a stage he has to go through. And it's a very beautiful story that Clarissa Pinkolaist has really portrayed in Women Who Run With The Wolves and it's a strong legacy for men and women and couples as well, her work, where she says that actually the relationship includes making love with a woman and making love with the death woman. And only by the men stepping into making love, both partners stepping into making love with a death woman, will that turn into a full, deep relationship. Because he, he has to die. You have to die. Full body orgasms are preceded by death. Your ego dies and your orgasm gets birthed. So when you say a dead woman, you just make reference to a death of the ego of yes, the woman. Because this stirs the emotional realm, like deep fulfilling sexuality will bring your hidden suppressed emotions to the surface and you need vulnerability on both sides to contain them. And it's vulnerable for both partners, it's not just the woman. The benefit of, of a woman, not a girl, guiding the process of her sexual life with her partner is that she's more comfortable in owning those emotions with herself and then initiating the man into the emotional landscape. A question popped into my mind. I don't know if it's necessarily relevant, you tell me. But I think there are many women who encounter the problem like having a partner who has this very inspired by porn industry approach to sex and she doesn't know how to address it and she just starts doing the same thing even if for her it's not fulfilling is this topic relevant for the woman's sexuality because oh, it sounds definitely. extremely dysfunctional it's definitely relevant because that's exactly the pattern that needs to die and it's the pattern that's spreading around well it's the 99% pattern of the western society in which the energy in which women are held, whether that man loves you or not, but by the porn dynamic of the sexual life, the woman is objectified. And that's exactly what's dysfunctional for a woman, being objectified. Of course. And even if the man loves you, if he plays out a porn dynamic, the energy of your sex life with him is an energy in which the feminine energy is objectified. And that's so diminishing and so narrow and limited for you as a woman that you can't really experience anything because it doesn't give you a context of full safety so that you can surrender. It is said in the Eastern art of making love that a woman deeply surrenders if she feels totally secured. Well, a woman can't feel totally secured in the arms of her beloved unless she is loved unconditionally and accepted without fear in her deep emotions. 
in her sadness, in her anger, in her disappointment, unless she feels that that man, that partner can walk with her through her emotions, she won't surrender. Why? Because deep fulfilling orgasms imply deep emotions. You will laugh, you will cry, you will be angry, and it will be part of the sexual encounter, the sexual dynamic, because you can't experience deep fulfilling orgasms without emotions. It's impossible. That's why I do so much work on emotions, because the moment you are fluid in your capacity to go deep with your emotional landscape, you will sexually open up. It will be natural. The sex center for women opens in her capacity to run with her emotions. And she will test the man. Is this man brave enough to stand with me when I'm angry in deep sexual encounter? Will he hold me in his arms while I cry? And if she doesn't feel that, she won't open up. So being objectified just pushes her much, much further away. Exactly now it popped into my mind the movie. I don't remember exactly the title, but the story was he was addicted to pornography. And he couldn't connect with nobody and it was a vicious circle and everything shifts like the pattern shifts once he really falls in love the first layer was that he was completely disconnected from everything because the emotion of falling in love was so strong and so new for him that he really got stuck in everything which actually meant his porno sex dynamic disappeared (laughs) disappeared and you understand from that that the porn sex dynamic was a consequence of being disconnected from his emotions and then he after starting slowly slowly to get unstuck he starts to connect with a woman not with porn movies and with his previous uh, mindset around sexuality this is this a problem of men being disconnected from their emotions yeah pornography is about disconnection to emotions your own emotions and emotions of the woman and the partner and i think men also need their emotional connection during sex but this is very important for women and funny enough i want to address this for men now not for women because i want to give them an incentive of why they should do the work because it's it's somehow painful, frustrating, and hard work. It could occur hard work for a man to let go of such an easy ride. (laughs) Especially if women are so used to gratify pornography just to keep the relationship going. But he will deeply experience pleasure and ecstasy, like deep, full ecstasy, if he's willing to learn to embrace the emotions of his woman. The emotions of his woman. Not the of emotion his... of his woman. And it will open up him to a whole new level of potency and fertility. In his libido, in his capacity to hold an erection, in his capacity to make love all night without him going to any tantric courses. And I have this with the husbands of the women that I've worked with. And they were like, oh my God, what happened to you? And the man was asking the wife. I actually have a sharing on that. And it's like, well, I can't explain it. I've just done my feminine work. (laughs) I don't even have to tell you what I did, the grounding and all this feminine stuff. But it's like I secured myself with my emotions and I was able to be more vulnerable and to open up as a woman. That played out in her sexual life with her husband. And he became, because he was open to her and he 
didn't have any labels, you know, and didn't want to control the dynamic. He just surrendered and got initiated. He stepped up into a whole new level of manhood. It requires a leap of faith from men, it sounds like. And bravery for women and men as well, but it's totally worth it. So women can be considered, like the feminine energy can be considered as a portal for the man to also be able to experience a next level of pleasure, intimacy. And it's easier for a man to start opening up in the presence of a, a woman than on his own. Only if his ego will not stay in the way. Yeah, that's tough. Totally, he's gonna have a gorgeous goddess in front of him. How cannot that be juicy and exciting and <laughs> very stimulating? If he can let his ego and his, you know, I'm the king of the world on top of the game, controlling this situation. I'm in control, putting... I know everything. I, I'm proficient yeah. at this. Coming back to the beginning of our conversation, how can a couple who's uh, at the second or the third or even the fourth stage of a relationship start addressing the plateaus you're talking about? What are the practical solutions, if there are any practical solutions? Well, actually, I had an amazing uh, project. Call it a project because it took, I think, three and a half years. I was working with a couple and boy, These people were so brave. It was just like worth to write a novel on it. And to give you a little bit of a context, the woman came with a big trauma. Like she was really messed up on an emotional level because of her childhood, because of her relationship with her father. She was very confused. She was very vulnerable. She was very wounded. And... Uh, It got triggered by her need to change her career and do something fulfilling and she didn't know what. So this pushed her into therapy and we started working together. And her husband was very open-minded and they were a very open-minded couple in terms of like concepts and ideas. And I started working with her around her wound and around her trauma. And after, I don't know, one year and a half, her husband started coming to therapy as well. He wanted that, so it was on him. And uh, the first stage of the relationship, they had to move through patience. The big uh, patience elephant lesson. in the room. The, the big, big elephant, elephant in the room. Which was he had to be patient with her process of healing. And she had to be patient with how long it took her for her to heal and find out who she was and have a clear voice. Funny enough, in this whole process that took two years, she discovered she's not at all compatible with him and she doesn't want to be with him. <laughs> See, exactly what I was asking you at the beginning. And it was like, you know, a big revelation for her because in the healing process, she discovered she has a different pattern of attraction towards men. And she chose her husband because it felt safe for her on an emotional level and he was kind. The man was a very classical, monogamous, romantic type of man. So he would fight for his family and for his marriage no matter what. And he would be willing to do all the effort and stay as long as he needed and do all the therapy work just to keep his family together because he lost his father When he was very young, his father abandoned him and he promised to himself that will not happen to his children. So they were both running on a story. The second stage of the relationship, they had to go into acceptance. 
she had to own that she doesn't have chemistry with him and kind of start stating that in the relationship. And he had to accept that he's a family-oriented guy and that, you know, his marriage right now is not really playing out. And she really addressed that to him? Yeah, it took a while. It took a while. It took a while to work with both of them individually to be prepared to own this truth. But they were both very brave. They did a lot of individual work, a lot of individual work, so that they came to the truth of her, for her, this is who I am and I can't really lie about it. And for him, this is who I am and I can't really lie about it. And they were different type of personalities. Like she would need polygamy, she would need monogamy. It was really interesting. How do you come in a relationship to that stage where you understand that you want to be faithful because that's who you are? And it's not connected to what your partner does. Mm -hmm. And then you have to give freedom for whatever your partner is because that's acceptance and that's love. And you, you are complete with you not stepping into polygamy because that doesn't work for you. So it is a very beautiful, very complicated, very multidimensional layered project. But they both were united in the same value of family. Both of them, although they were, you know, they were hitting this huge plateau of lack of sex and lack of chemistry and kind of like lack of romance... They were both clear that they didn't want to divorce and educate their children separately. So they kind of hold on there through the family value, but not sacrificing themselves for the family value, really staying the truth, really being vulnerable. And once they were ready to accept that their relationship died sexually, and both of them really understood who they were in this process, something opened up for them, which was the capacity to be friends and acknowledging that they both need time apart from the relationship and really open up to other people as an access to figuring out how they're either going to be together as a couple again or find a way to be co-parents without being a couple. And they broke up eventually? No, miraculously, no. Wow. They both did the process, communicated with one another from a very responsible and accountable space. I worked with them for four years individually. Both of them had the experiences they had to have spiritually. And it didn't include sex with other people necessarily because everybody goes there, you know, like I have an affair and that's it. No, <laughs> it actually did include meditation, retreats, healing. It included sex with other people, but it wasn't about the sex with other people. It's about their own process of discovering sexuality to a whole new level. They did a lot of tantric work and, you know, process and they burst through on the other side. It was a huge miracle. That's commitment at a whole different That's level. marriage, in the <laughs> real sense of the way. generally <laughs> in this kind of dynamics, one of the partners becomes disruptive and runs away, or and the other one clings. And it really requires commitment. Yeah, and then it required for the other one to stay and the other one to stop clinging. And it was a whole journey of self-healing, self-awareness. It was just mind-blowing and beautiful. 
after four years they called me and they you know like we want to honor you and celebrate you because you were the the rocking uh, partner in our project and uh, we went to lunch and they were like we can't believe we're experiencing a whole new level of sexual chemistry in our dynamic oh it shifted a, oh it shifted you, yeah. you missed the, the most important yeah. part <laughs> it was a total breakthrough they had a breakthrough and they met at a whole new level sexually and romantically in the mature adult version of themselves because they they started their relationship when they were young they had three kids that put the relationship on hold for a while kids do that and then after the kids it took like three to four years to figure out their relationship for the rest of their lives but now it's grounded in truth it's grounded in vulnerability it's real they know who they are they know their inner values as individuals and as a couple and they're rock solid it was just beautiful does this kind of work also implies communication because i don't know the whole theory but i know that Esther Perel has a very interesting thesis somebody consider it controversial because she says that not all the time communication really takes you on the other side because if you don't know how to communicate in a healthy way you can damage oh, I totally forever agree. I the totally relationship I agree with her it required communication with me <laughs> individual communication with their therapist on and on and on totally open and then in different parts of the process communication with one another in different ways in different layers it's a very complex subject but it does require communication unless communication happens it won't carry the day but not communication just like that yes but if you open any magazine women's magazine or men's magazines you'll just see this cliche like communication is key but communicating you can sure. say stupid things because you don't know from where to say it in a very healthy way. Sure. And when it comes to relationship or big changes in life, I'm very cautious. I really give this recommendation of taking the real time and be patient with your decision and really own it until you communicate it to other people. I don't rush things in that realm. But you have to tell the truth to yourself. And that's part of communication. And I think another big secret is really being willing to let go and experience failure. Like one of the things I do with couples is I and they come to me and they're on the bridge of divorce or they're really struggling I say to them you may end up divorced or you may end up together and I'm not going to fight for any of this I'm just going to keep intending for the truth of your dynamic to show up and settle in and if you are willing to accept that it may end then you're really going to have enough energy to fight that it won't. Cool. Wanna I would like to go back a little too. Do you know? <laughs> Can you imagine what I'm thinking about right now? I really want to end this podcast with with some hands on hope for all the women who are uh, listening to us and really uh, give them something that can help them work with their bodies, with their emotions to achieve those full body orgasms you were talking about or at least be on the right track to them well first of all is you have the natural capacity for full body orgasms it's in you you just have to open up to that possibility you will be the one guiding your relationship your love affair or your marriage to success 
So it, it really comes down to the woman. Really, the mindset is really important. Not only the mindset, but the attitude and the um, settling in into your true power. So doing that work, mapping your own sexual territory, understanding your emotions, opening up to pleasure through your senses, through little things, are worth it because they are building confidence and they are making you stronger as a woman and they're bringing you to your true inner gifts that once you will claim them with awareness and with easiness and with grace, they will entice, inspire, and it will make the men in your life surrender to a whole new level of beauty, passion, and intimacy, and deep, fulfilling sexuality. And it's the woman. It's the real woman that's going to make that change. And you have that power in you. And just opening up to the simple practices starts the journey of you meeting that power. I think I'm going to be picky now, but some more, like, what can I do this evening when I go home to connect with this possibility? This is one question. And the second question, how can I guide my partner into surrendering to this possibility? Join our website and buy Four Pillars of Femininity because it will guide you. I'm joking, but I'm not joking because it will guide you into a process and it will help you relax and surrender to your own inner sanctuary as a feminine. The first thing you can do is go home and really relax yourself and really put yourself in a very sensual atmosphere, but not with the idea of achieving something. Just, you know, opening up to your senses, smelling, tasting, hearing, something that gives you pleasure because it stirs up your feminine energy. Mm-hmm. And then meet your man, whether he's coming home tired or wants to play a video game or wants to go to bed or he's just fully blown away by your energy with compassion and kindness. Not with, I'm sensual now, you have to come and let's have sex and you have to be a stud. No, because you have to show me and prove me that my investment in my own sensuality is worth the trouble. (laughs) No, just be kind. And if he's not available, fine, respect that, give him space. If he's available, play. Just beautifully play with no agenda and no need to shift something in the dynamic, achieve a full-blown orgasm, uh, try to make a change in the relationship. Just play like you were playing at the very beginning when you met. And your sensual energy being activated, the easiness and grace of the playfulness with no agenda, it just brings fresh, you know, refreshed energy in the relationship and it opens people up to one another and then intimacy naturally flows. So that's how you can practice today. I'll do that and I also give this tip to all the men and women friends in my life. (laughs) And come back with feedback from M2. (laughs) Okay, Mr. M. So I hope this was challenging but inspiring for people. It was a much more advanced conversation, but I think we need also advanced context for the challenges that we face and how to turn those challenges into inspiring opportunities. So I hope we left you inspired and uh, open 
to explore new territories in your love life, in your sex life, and in relationships. And stay tuned. Much more subjects are on their way. <laughs> 